Well, we are going to continue our series. And so why don't we welcome our speaker uh, this evening or morning or afternoon. Give it up for Michael Hansen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. No. Hey, isn't this a little crazy? Uh, uh, I met last week with a group of pastors uh, online. We were having a conversation. And one of the pastors said, um, I don't remember having a class in seminary where they taught us how to pastor in the midst of a pandemic. So this is a very strange uh, time that we're in. It's a very stretching time. And for many people, it's a really scary time. Like, where is this going to go? Uh, how long is this going to you know, go on for? And, and I find in times like this that I am very, uh, I'm grateful for technology. I'm grateful that we can do this right now. I'm grateful for, uh, for social media. But, but way more than that, what I'm grateful for is uh, for you, for the church, for our church family, for our small groups, for our small group leaders. I have already heard many stories of people, uh, they're checking in on other people, they're you know, looking out for neighbors, etc. We've had people emailing, contacting the church saying, hey, what can I do? Uh, uh, you know, who, who's in need or how can I help out? So well done, VCDC, uh, top marks. Uh, during this time, we're going to be working hard to find uh, creative ways to stay connected as a church family, but also... Uh, to be available to you as a staff, as a church staff. So um, next week, uh, probably on Monday or for sure on Tuesday, we're going to have some more information sent out to the entire church just with plans as we move forward. Uh, we're also going to have another email that will go out to our small group leaders just with some more specific information. So here's a, uh, something really important. Make sure you are paying attention to your email inbox because we're going to be getting uh, lots of emails out. We're also going to be utilizing um, website, our church website, bcdc.org, Facebook and Instagram, and for a couple people, we've uh, myspace.com. But, uh, but uh, about giving, we've had people ask, well, how do I give uh, now that we're not gathering? And uh, great question. Thanks for asking that. You can go, there's two ways. Go to bcdc.org, our church website, Go to the drop-down menu and uh, just hit giving. It'll walk you through it. It's actually pretty simple. And then another way would be uh, the church is still going to be open during the week, uh, but you can just come by the church and drop off uh, your donation. So uh, as we made the decision to cancel our weekend services, there was just this little bit of time where I was wondering, like, should we pause the series that we're in, the, you know, the last words of Jesus as we're making our way towards Easter? And, you know, should we pause that series to you know, to address, to address the obvious. But as I looked at where we were at in the series, I actually was really amazed at uh, how timely the talk uh, I'm going to give today is. And once again, I uh, realized just how incredibly smart God is and what he, he saw coming our way. And uh, what we're going to look at today are uh, the final words of Jesus that we're going to look at are uh, found in only one of the Gospels in the Gospel of John. And I'm pretty sure John is the only one to record these words uh, because the words, uh, or some of the words, were spoken directly to him, to John. And what I want to look at today, and really what we're looking at through this entire series, is the incredibly unselfish, outward-focused compassion and love that, J uh, that Jesus both models and expresses in these final words that are spoken from the cross. I mean, think of what we looked at so far. JT kicked it off. 
by looking at you know, Jesus from the, from the cross says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Uh, last weekend, Andrew, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, we see Jesus you know, uh, speaking comfort to this, uh, to this dying thief uh, by saying, today you will be with me in paradise. And these are such beautiful words spoken in the midst, uh, in the midst of such ugliness. Um, last weekend, I read an article asking the question of why some people die happy and some people die angry. Just, you know, some light reading. Uh, and the article was totally written from a secular view. God was not part of the discussion. But these words uh, jumped out at me. Listen to this quote. It says, there is a saying in hospice that people die the way they've lived. I have observed that patients who have held on to bitterness and disappointment about life tend to be unhappy during the dying process as well. Since they had never learned how to be at peace with the circumstances of life, when death is near, they remain angry and inconsolable. Now, there is a lot we could chew on from that quote, but in the context of this series, uh, looking at the final words of Jesus, words given from the cross, wow, did Jesus ever die the same way that he lived. Uh, last weekend, Andrew said that the words from the cross, these short phrases we're looking at, were re-emphasizing the message Jesus had already been preaching. And the story we're looking at today, Jesus will be re-emphasizing a part of his kingdom message, a part of the good news that is incredibly timely for what we're facing now with this coronavirus. From the cross, he's going to remind us of his commitment to care for us, to meet our needs, uh, and to surround us in times of crisis. So, uh, like I said, uh, this, uh, these words of Jesus are only found in John, so if you have a Bible, uh, uh, please turn in your Bible to John 19. We're going to be looking at uh, 25 to 27. So let me read that for you. John 19, 25. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. So the final words we're going to be looking at uh, today uh, really are similar to last weekend. And what I mean is this. Uh, what Jesus said in this story, it wasn't like this general statement just for, you know, thrown out there for everyone. Again, this weekend, the words were addressed to, to, uh, to a couple people, really. And it was more personal words. The, uh, these words were given to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Woman, here is your son. And then to John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Uh, uh, John, here is, here is your mother. And what I want to look at today is I want to pull three phrases from what I just read in that passage. So the first one is this, if there are any note takers out there. First one is near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. So let me just paint some uh, a background picture, if you will. Jesus has been arrested. Uh, he's been put on trial. They've given the order for him to be executed. Uh, he's been beaten, humiliated. Uh, now he's been crucified, nailed to the cross. And, and we learned this last week that there's people gathered around, the religious leaders, the Roman soldiers, uh, even, the, even the thieves on either side of Jesus, we learned this last weekend, that, that they're all heaping verbal abuse uh, on Jesus. And, and now the camera sort of broadens out a little bit, if you will, and, and, and we read this, what I just read to you, near 
the cross of Jesus stood his mother. Near the cross of Jesus, right, stood Mary. Mary was able to get that close uh, to Jesus. And the Romans, uh, the Romans were masters of cruelty uh, and intimidation. And I'm not going to get graphic, but, but just consider this. Modern, modern executions are typically done in uh, really in clinical privacy, certainly uh, not done in public, at least in the Western world. But the Romans, the Romans, they, they knew how to send a message. Uh, crucifixions were done in public places. Like, like the Romans, they wanted you, like they wanted the people to see these people that were being executed. Uh, the crucifixion of Jesus was done um, uh, during the Passover weekend. And so Jerusalem was like overflowing with visitors. This crucifixion would have happened at, uh, outside the city at a busy, uh, if you will, a busy intersection. Uh, when you're crucified, you don't die instantly. Obviously, it took, it took time for the person to die. And just consider this. You could literally walk right up to the person and you could talk with them. You could talk to the person who is being crucified. The person's crime would be written on paper in the case of Jesus. His crime was, it said, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, the king of the Jews. And, and in the case of Jesus, it was written in three languages, Latin, uh, Hebrew, and Greek. Again, all these visitors, uh, they made that, uh, they wanted everyone to be able to read that. Uh, but that would be, your crime would be written on, on a piece of paper attached to the top of the cross. And basically what would happen is, and here's where you see Rome, uh, uh, you know, both uh, their cruelty and their intimidation. You could literally walk up you could be right there, look at the person, you could read their crime, and what people would think would be like, man, I'm not doing what this guy did. Right? Like, man, I'm, I am not going to mess with Rome. But what we see in this story is now near the cross, like right there, stands Mary, the mother of Jesus. And right in front of her is her son, her son who's, who's dying. And, you know, over the years I've seen people in pain, I've seen people get injured. I'm sure you have too. And I was thinking back in some of those situations and, and I realized I get stirred uh, compassion in my heart and it stirred empathy in my heart. But, but uh, I also consider this, nothing has grabbed my heart in such a deep place as when the hurting person is someone that I love. Right? Like, you know, do you know what I mean by that? I mean, there's like, when, when someone you love is in pain, it tugs at your guts. Right? It, it, it hits a much deeper place. Uh, our older son, I remember when he was like right around four years old, I was teaching him how to skate. It's a rite of passage back home. And, you know, and so I had this little guy, I was skating around, and I sort of had him holding him between my legs and trying to, you know, just trying to teach him how to get that feel, that wonderful feel of, of blades uh, on ice. And he slipped a little bit, and I tried to catch uh, my balance. And when I, as I did that, I actually skated over uh, his little hand, and uh, I felt great. No, I didn't, but uh, it could have been way worse, but he, uh, at the end of it, he had a, a very deep cut uh, right between uh, his two of his fingers, and uh, we went off to the ER. Helen met us there, and I remember uh, when the doctor was trying to stitch him up, I remember Helen was literally, uh, <laughs> see, the emotions are still there, which is amazing. This is like 20-some years ago. But I remember Helen laid on top of him and I, you know, grabbed his little arm and held it as tight as I could while the doctor stitched him up and he wailed. Like, he just wailed. And I, and I remember that just 
cool but my guts and as a dad you know listening to someone i love you know cry out like that i just wanted to fix it i wanted to make his pain uh stop and here's the thing you know uh when i think of that story and then i consider mary like i can't imagine what mary was going through like i knew my son was going to be okay Right? And, and in Canada, to get stitches from a, from a hockey accident, it's like a badge of honor. And like, I knew he was going to be okay, but Mary, like, just imagine Mary. Like, she didn't know it was going to be okay. She, she didn't know that. And I wonder if she was thinking back at a time when, um, and this is going way back to when Jesus was just this little baby boy. And Mary and Joseph took him to the temple. And while they were there, uh, there was a man named Simeon, this this Jewish man, this older man, and, and really just a, a real man of God. And God had spoken to Simeon and, and said to him, Hey, Simeon, uh, you're not going to die until you actually see the promised Messiah with your own eyes. That, that's a pretty incredible promise. So Simeon would hang around the temple, and one day, you know, here comes Mary and Joseph, little baby Jesus. And they come walking into the temple, and, and, and basically it says that, you know, Simeon sees them, and he goes over to them, and it says that he, he took Jesus in his arms, and, and as he's looking at Jesus, I'm sure the Spirit of God said, here he is, here's the Messiah, and, and he prays this incredible, uh, incredibly beautiful prayer of thanksgiving, and it just, you know, pours it out of a, wow, God, you know, you, you were true to your word, and look, here he is, he's in my arms, you know, the promised one, and it's like, now I'm ready to go, and Mary and Joseph are, they're listening to this, and they're watching this, and they're just marveling, it says, at what uh, Simeon's saying about their boy, but then Simeon, he turns to Mary, he says this in Luke 2, 34, it says, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Like, I don't think it's a stretch to, to, to say that I bet Mary was thinking about that. I bet she was standing there just in such a confusing and painful, horrific place and I'm sure she was like, oh, Oh, now I see what he was talking about. And, it, and it's in that place of such pain and confusion for Mary where we see the incredible, selfless, caring uh, love of Jesus. And, you know, and maybe I'm looking at this story, maybe I'm looking at Jesus through, through, uh, too much through my human eyes. But, but when I look at this story, it's like what went off in my mind is, you know, this is a time in the life of Jesus. Remember it was said about Jesus that he came to serve and not be served. But this is a time in the life of Jesus where it would be totally understandable for him to be just a little self-centered. I mean, doesn't that make sense? I mean, he's, he's dying, but what do we see Jesus do? John 19, 26 says this. It says, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, woman, here's your son. And he said to, uh, to the disciple, uh, here's, here's your mother. And, you know, we don't know if Jesus saw his mother the whole time, when, you know, when the, the whole ordeal of being uh, put up on the cross, etc. Like, we don't know if, if, if he saw her the whole time, but, but what we do know is that when he did see his mom, that he quickly responded, and he responded with care. So the second phrase is this, when Jesus saw his mother there, when Jesus saw his mother. You know, I, I find that phrase incredibly 
beautiful. Jesus is on the cross, and he looks down from the cross. He's weary. I mean, just think of all he's gone through. I mean, it's it's, it's probably hard to see. I mean, it's not like he can wipe his eyes, the, the blood and the tears, all that, he's, all that he's experienced. But when he finally does see his mom, what stands out in this story is like he goes right into action. And this is something so wonderful about God, that God is like at the same time, he's able to see the masses, billions of people. He's able to see the masses care for the masses, but at the very same time, he's able to see an individual and care for an individual. And I mean, I mean, I, I can consider the story. I mean, Jesus is dying on the cross. He's carrying the sins of the world. I mean, I can't even comprehend what he was going through. Uh, and, and as he's doing that, at the same time of this, you know, galactic, you know, massive, massive thing that's going on that he's carrying, at the very same time, same time he sees his mom he sees that his mom is hurting, and he, he cares for her. Um, Romans 8.38 came to my mind. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present. I mean, think about all that's going on right now on planet Earth. Uh, neither the present nor the future. Where is this all going to go? We don't know where this is all going to go. I mean, God alone knows that. Neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, nor any virus, neither uh, height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us, will be able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when Jesus saw his mother in crisis, he responded. It's like, he see, Mom, I see you. You know, I see your pain. You know, I know your thoughts. I know you're freaked out about what's going on now. I know you're freaked out about what's, what the future might hold. I mean, Dad's gone. I don't know if he called Joseph Dad, but Dad's gone. You're a widow. He didn't have life insurance. And now you're looking at your oldest son who probably, you know, uh, took over the family business. He was providing for the family. And like, it's, it's like he's saying, Mom, I see you. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. I've got you. And in these few words from the cross, it's, you know, Jesus is reminding his mom and he's reminding us today of something that he once taught. Uh, earlier in his, uh, in his life, Jesus described himself to the people this way. Here's what he said. John uh, chapter 10, 11 says, I am, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And remember when Jesus said that? He was speaking to people who totally, totally get shepherds, who totally get sheep. I mean, and basically what Jesus is saying is, he's like, he's going, hey, I'm God, come to earth, come you know, in the flesh, and, and let, me, let me help you understand what I'm like. Let me help you understand how I feel about you. Let me help you understand how much I want to care for you. And, and, and what he's saying is that, you know, as the good shepherd, I want to care for you the same way that a shepherd cares for a sheep. And uh, so what does that mean? Well, he's saying, I want to lead you. I want to lead you on paths that are safe, that, that, uh, that are clear. I want to feed you. I want to lead you to places where the grass is thick and green. I want to protect you. I'm going to you know, watch over you of wolves and bears or whatever, you know, lions, all these different things. I want to be, as the good shepherd, he's, he's saying, I want to be like a covering over you. Like, I am going to always be watching over my flock and every individual uh, lamb. Uh, I want to mend you. You get hurt, little lamb. 
I am going to come alongside and I want to heal you up. I want to rescue you. You fall, you know, into a, into a little you know, hole or you get caught up in a branch or whatever it is. I want to rescue you. Jesus is saying, I want you, like sheep, to fret about nothing. I want you to depend on me, to follow me, lean into me, to trust me that I'm going to care for you even to the point of giving my own life on your behalf. You know, I, 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 again, last weekend, I remember, remember when Andrew was talking about the thief hanging beside him on the cross. And just such a, again, I, I love that story. But, you know, the, like he's, he's hanging there beside Jesus. He's dying. He's fearful. And just in the midst of this crazy place, you know, we don't know exactly what happened. But he looks over at Jesus and he's looking at Jesus. And as he does, you know, I, I don't know what he sees but he sees something that draws him to Jesus and that gives him hope. And he looks at Jesus and he's like, I don't know why, but for some reason, I just need to say this to you that, hey, remember me. Remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus responds with these incredibly comforting words. Hey, hey, I will remember you. In fact, today, you're going to be with me in paradise. Like, talk about the good shepherd. Here he is caring for this one lost little lamb, and, and he's doing it like he's on the cross while he's doing it. I mean, that man died. That man walked through death's door with a peace that would have made no sense in such a scary place. But understand this, as beautiful as that is, in the story today, uh, Jesus shows that he wants us to have that peace, peace, not just at our time of death, the thief, but he wants us to have that peace now. And that's what he's saying to his mom. That's what he's saying to Mary. And, you know, in whatever scary situation, overwhelming situation you're in uh, right now, like let's just say the coronavirus, you need to hear, you need to know, you need to take to heart that Jesus is turning to you He's looking at you and he's saying, hey, son, daughter, today I will be with you right in the middle of this crazy situation. Son, daughter, I've got you. And let me, let me just roll out a few verses that point to this. Listen to these verses uh, and, and just, just ponder how much God wants to care for you. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight or one of my favorites first peter 5 7 give all your worries to him why because he cares for you philippians 4 6 and 7 do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to god and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. And when I look at those scriptures, and that's just like a, a start, there's so many other verses, but I look at that and I'm like, I mean, could God make it any clearer of how much he wants to care for you? Of how much he wants to relieve your anxiety and fears, your worries? It's like, I mean, all. How many times does he say all? I mean, there's really no debate there. I mean. Does, you know, how much does he cover? Well, it sounds like he covers or wants to cover it all. I mean, don't be anxious about anything. Like, he has got you. 
it's, it's all covered. And you know, I, this might seem like a strange story, but uh, as I was working on this talk, I got to this point and what came to my mind was a few summers ago, uh, Helen and I flew out to Cancun and we met up with some friends out there and we stayed at an all-inclusive resort. I'd never, uh, never done that before. And at first, I wasn't good at it. I mean, I wasn't good at the, the all-inclusive inclusive lifestyle. And what I mean is this, it was, it was hot, it was Mexico, it was beautiful. And uh, I remember going up to the bar and, and, a, and a little sheepishly ordering a Coke, right? The guy puts the Coke on the, you know, on the bar and I took it. And then there was this sort of awkward, uncomfortable pause where I stood there holding it and just looking at the guys and, and thinking uh, like, do you want my room number? Like, how much do I owe you? And the guy just looked at me and he smiled and he said, you know, gracias, senor. And, and I turned away and I thought, you know, it started to dawn on me like, hey, it really is free. Like it really is all inclusive. And, and something I, 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 that I learned at this place was it really comes down to just asking and then receiving. And uh, it really didn't take me too long to get uh, very good at the all-inclusive lifestyle. I could live there a lot more. But here's, here's the connection I'm trying to make with that story. All those verses I read earlier all have an element of movement, of action, of making exchanges. I mean, trust in the Lord. When we're told to trust in the Lord, like that's not a passive phrase. Trust in the Lord means, like, where are you going to put your trust? Right? It's telling us you need to put your trust in the Lord. That means you might have to take it off of someone or something else in order to put your trust in the Lord. Uh, give all your worries to Him. If you're going to really give something to someone, well, at some point you're going to have to let go of it. Otherwise, you're not giving it, right? Uh, instead of sitting down with anxiety, right? be, uh, be anxious for nothing. Instead of sitting in a chair of anxiety, we're encouraged to get up and walk over and sit in a chair of God's peace. How do you do that? It's, well, it says you need to talk to him. There needs, needs to be this, inter, this, this interaction with God. You need to tell him what you're worried about. You need to tell him what you need, and then you need to thank him that he's the good shepherd and that, that he's got you. And, and just look at his response to our, that those little activities that we do. You hand it all over to him, and, and, and look what he gives in return. He gives, you know, he gives straight paths to us. I mean, just consider right now, many people feel so lost. They feel so lost. There's an awareness of his care for you as you hand your worries over. Uh, and it's a reminder, like, you're not alone. You are not alone in this. There's a peace that passes understanding, and it's more than just a warm fuzzy that, you know, that, that sort of, you know, eases the anxiety or fear. The peace that God gives, one, makes no sense, but it also protects your mind, your thoughts. It also protects your heart, your emotions from any future anxiety and fear. And listen to this, for many of us, we struggle to believe that what I've been saying is true. We struggle to draw comfort and peace from the truth that God is way bigger than any global crisis, right? He's got us. And I believe that for many, a time like this, now hear this, a time like this really is a gift. It's an opportunity for you, for me to learn a little bit more about how to make exchanges how to hand things over to God, things that are so, uh, so beyond our understanding, so beyond our control, to hand those things to God. And then it's an opportunity to grow in our ability to receive from Him comfort and hope. So if that's you, like I really want to challenge you during this season, uh, don't waste this opportunity. I mean, write those three verses down. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. 
1 Peter 5, 7, Philippians 4, 6, 7, in a time of crisis, I mean, these verses are like gold. They're like gold. So write them down, learn them. So, so Mary's near the cross. Jesus hears her, or sorry, sees her, and then he responds to her need. And what I want to end with is this, but look at how he responds to her need. Look at how he meets her need. Verse 26 says, he sees his mom, woman, here's your son. And to the disciple, he says, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. And that's our final phrase. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't turn and see his mom, see your needs and go, oh, mom. Like, don't be afraid. Like, I know it's really scary right now, but actually, yes, I am going to die. But in just a few days, I'm going to come back to life. And it gets even better than that, mom. Like, in a, in, in a little bit, I'm going to send my spirit. The spirit of God is actually going to come and live inside of you. Like, I, like I'm always going to be with you, mom. And, and, you know, and you're going to be okay. You don't need to be afraid. And, and, and that's all totally true. It's totally life-giving. That's all totally wonderful. But what I want to draw our attention to is in this story, along with that truth and all of what I just said, how did Jesus accomplish his care for his mom? Well, he used people. He used John. He, he used people to take, to take care of her. He used people to meet her needs. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home and he looked after her. See, Jesus looked after his mom through one of his dearest friends. And at a time when people are scared and anxious because of this virus, when people are fearful about the future, worried about their health, their loved ones, their 401ks, on and on. I mean, understand this. God sees the big picture, but God sees every person. He sees you. He sees every need. And he again wants to use people to care for them. And I wonder who those people are. Well, I'm talking to you, VCDC. Those people are us. He wants to use us. In a time of crisis, we as a church have an amazing opportunity to rise up and be people of peace, to be people of hope, people of kindness to a world that's, uh, to a world that's very afraid. We get to be people of peace at Kroger. We get to be people of peace at Costco. Right? In, in Matthew 10, 8, there's a, there's a story where Jesus, he's getting ready to send his disciples out and he's like giving them all these instructions. And then just at the very end, as they're walking, uh, walking away, he goes, hey boys, hey boys, remember, remember, freely give what you have freely re received. So think back to those three verses. As you've received peace, in this time of crisis, as you're receiving peace, what, we're, what we have an opportunity to do now is, is now to turn and, and give that away. Give away that peace that we've received. You know, and I know for some, you think, you know, uh, because I've talked to you and I see it on Facebook, etc. like you think this whole thing is ridiculous. You think it's all blown out of proportion. And, and I guess, I don't know if we're ever going to really know the truth of, you know, what was accurate, what wasn't. But let me challenge you. If you're someone who's, you're not afraid right now and, and you're like in a really confident, hopeful place, like instead of, uh, yeah, instead of, you know, sort of mocking or, or just being real cynical towards other people. Let me challenge you. If you're in a place of hope and confidence, use that to comfort others. Use that place, that, that strength that you have inside, use it to lift other people up. We have neighbors, we have friends that are really afraid right now. You have neighbors, you have friends that, that you know, maybe these are people that you've been wanting to reach out to for a long time. Well, let me tell you, we have an awesome opportunity. We have an awesome 
chance right now. And I want to encourage you to look for opportunities to ask people, uh, hey, how, how are you doing with all this? And if, and if someone is sharing with you that they're scared or anxious, well, ask them, hey, could I pray for you right now? And what do you pray? Well, it's, it's super simple. Pray for his peace. Pray for his peace. Give away uh, what you've received from him. Okay. Uh, here's how I want to end off today. Um, I want to first have a drink of water. There we go. Um, about a week ago, I was thinking about this talk, and I had a song come to mind that I wrote a couple years ago. And, and really, it's a song that it's kind of uh, interesting in the way that I wrote it. It's, it's written from the perspective of God uh, singing to me. And um, I, um, I struggle, uh, I struggle with anxiety, and there we go. I struggle with anxiety, and and this song has been has really been a, a comfort to me. And so what I do when I'm in, a, in an anxious place, I literally picture myself as it's uh, just an anxious little boy. And I'm sitting on my father's lap. And, oh boy, see if I can get through this song. But I'm sitting on his lap and I'm leaning back against his chest. And he's just singing this to me. And, and it's, uh, it's just been a real comfort. And so I want to end off by singing this song uh, over you. So receive this song from the Lord. Um, and I hope it does uh, bring you comfort. Never earn it. 
thoughts that keep you blinded and daily be reminded that you are mine so lay down in pastures Quiet waters filled with grace. Find.